1: Joining me in this panel discussion today are Mick Wells, and via remote from Danforth, Illinois, is Don McDonald, also known as Pastor Mac. Gentlemen, it's good to have both of you with us today. Good to see you, Pete. Don?
0: Thank you very much.
1: Very much, uh, great
0: to see everybody too.
1: And uh, we are going to be tackling a subject that is just not controversial at all in the church, is it, Mick? No. (laughs) Now, Uh, and if people know how facetious I'm being, I hope they
2: understand that. Now, we want to talk about looking for Jesus' return. And I don't think there's much disagreement that Jesus was here the first time. Correct. Incarnate as a baby in a manger, grew up uh, all God, all man, gave his life for us. That's the gospel, of course, and, and he paid the penalty for our sins. But uh, in conjunction with the end of his ministry on earth, he was, he was raised, he was seen by a great number of people, and he at one point met his disciples and said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's basically what we're talking about here with the church age. We are at the what I believe is the end of the church age. But then uh, Luke records in the book of Acts, it said after Jesus said that, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Uh, they were, the word says they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood b- beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back. In the same way, you have seen him go into heaven." Now that hasn't taken place yet, so as you talk about a controversial subject like the return of Jesus Christ, you're going to run into a variety of opinions. Not too many of them say he's not coming back, because we were told in the Bible that he is coming back. Most of the conversation or disagreements or variances of opinion deal with, When is he coming back in in relation to the unfolding of the end times? There's not much doubt that he's coming back. He he said it. It's been promised to us. And um, so you'll run into a variety of opinions. But let me stress this to you. If you and a friend or you and your pastor or uh, Bible scholars if they disagree, this issue of Jesus' return on when he returns doesn't have anything to do with your salvation or mine. In other words, we can have disagreements or different viewpoints of when Jesus will return. Uh, We're using the same Bible. Uh, Brothers and sisters in Christ can read the same language and come up with different interpretations, but it's the differences of opinion don't affect salvation. You know, Pete, I know that, for example, you believe that all Methodists are going to be left behind at the rapture. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know where you got that one. but uh, uh, A little no. levity well, here. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, just to, to uh, kind of uh, jump off of what you had said there, um, I, I really liked the words of a man who did a Radio program a number of years ago. I don't know that he's still doing it. I just haven't heard the program for a long time. His name is Steve Brown, and he was part of Key Life Ministries. And he Mm -hmm. said something along the lines like this He says, If we are still here when Jesus returns, it's going to be nothing like we expected, but we'll say, But now I understand. You know, I mean, and I think that's what it's like because we're trying to understand things that. You know, people who saw that, who are prophesying about it, they're trying to describe things that have never happened before. And it would be like somebody from, um, you know, the day of of Peter or Paul trying to describe how does the uh, internal combustion engine of an automobile work? Yeah, (laughs) You know, I mean, that's that's something that we don't understand um, exactly what was supposed to um, be communicated because the people were doing the best that they could to communicate what they were seeing through prophecy and Mm -hmm. understanding through prophecy, but they might not have understood it all themselves.
2: Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, I was thinking uh, the other day, there are a number of topics that I believe preachers avoid. That's just my personal perception. And uh, Don, you've been a pastor for quite a while. Are there any topics out there that you purposely avoid?
0: You know, um, when I read that question, and I'm listening to it now, uh, I would say that you try to avoid the ones that would create division in the church, but yet you have to address it because it's in Scripture. Absolutely. You know, and so when I've addressed controversial topics And approach it, I always approach it with the understanding that we need to be grace-filled with each other as we have these discussions, i.e., it's very difficult to preach on hell and the reality of hell. And we tend to want to be grace-filled, and we tend to want to say, you know, we're called to agape love one another, but to say there's also a hell and there's also a judgment and there's also that, you know, we've been in an age of preaching where we we— Seem to stay away from that and not draw to it, and so you know, in, in that light, that's what I was thinking about.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Uh, you know, you think back, when Jesus was on the earth. He prayed for unity in his among his followers. We we don't want to be divisive. At the same time, the word tells us that all scriptures God breathed, and it's useful for these kinds of studies. It's there to be studied, and so um, I I found on an internet search of topics preachers avoided included things that are are rather unpleasant, like sin and God's wrath, um, gluttony, modesty, but I didn't see anything about demons and Satan uh, or our subject here, the return of Jesus Christ, because the scripture that gives it context lays out some pretty unsavory things that occur on the earth during, um, especially the, the uh, tribulation period. Is And I think this is a good point, a good time for me to say that we, we all look at this with different perspectives. I and the, the founder of this ministry, my dad, uh, come from a persuasion that uh, there's a rapture of the church before the tribulation, that true believers, I'll put it that way. I, I said Methodist whimsically earlier, uh, but that was just a joke. I hope you listeners understand. <laughs> yeah, I said facetious during that, <laughs> yeah. did Okay. Well, uh, I'll point out to you that... Many of the things that I say here come from the perspective I've had my whole life, which is that Jesus would come back for His church uh, before the 12 or the seven-year tribulation period. Uh, there are other views that say He would come back in the middle of that seven years, and we'll talk about that seven years a little later. Uh, others think that it would He would come back at the end of the seven-year. Uh, period. So there's a number of views out there. If I uh, speak about tribulation and pre-trib rapture, uh, it's basically my personal belief, and I and I know that our panel members may have different views of that. So sure. I'm just explaining where I'm coming from there. Well, you're talking pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib,
1: and I'm pan-trib. I say it's all going to pan out in the end. Well, we know it
2: will. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to just talk a little bit about why do we study end times prophecy. I mean, if I believe there's incentive for all true believers, and I say true believers because those who are genuinely uh, saved, who have believed on the finished work of Jesus Christ uh, for our salvation, are the ones I'm talking about. I'm not talking about any other labels like Orthodox or Catholic or or Methodist or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about people who have truly decided to turn to Jesus and accept what he's paid for their sins. Um, You know, it's been calculated that about 27% of the Bible deals with prophecy. And it's in all but two books in the Old Testament, and but all but two books in the New Testament. In the New Testament, I've read that as many as one out of 12 verses deal with the second coming of Jesus. In the epistles, the second coming is found in one out of every 10 verses, uh, or on average that is. Uh, It's been noted such preoccupation by God in His Word with the subject of prophecy is not something... That should be neglected or dismissed and i'm not saying we should study it because of all the citations and references if it's in there even once it's valid truth for us to to study and you know how a person views prophetic events including the second coming of jesus christ it will greatly affect how we live our life uh, how we follow up on witnessing and christian living and and our spirituality I'd like to take a a little bit of time and look at why we study End Times Prophecy, and Pete, I've asked you to share 2 Peter 1.21. For prophecy never
1: had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human,
2: spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the prophecy we see in the Bible, that we read about in the Bible, uh, even though it was uh, conveyed through prophets uh, and recorded for us, it's actually speaking on behalf of God. In other words, whether Jesus said it or the prophets said it, if it's in the Word of God, its, uh, it's history shared with us in advance. In other words, the, I think the, the test of a false prophet was if he had even one thing wrong, he or she had one prophecy wrong, or a false prophet. Well, what we have in the Bible is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, Don, would you share with us First uh, Thessalonians 5, verses 9 to 11?
0: Sure. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake sleep, whether we may live together with him, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing.
2: So why do we study prophecy? Well, one of the reasons I would say is to encourage the body. Uh, we have something to look forward to. I am looking forward to Jesus' return where, whenever it comes. I have a, a personal idea, but uh it's there for encouraging one another. It's, the Prophecy is not to be uh, afraid of or avoided. That's one of the reasons we would uh, study End Times Prophecy. Well, we're at a break point here, and we'll be back with you shortly to continue our look at why we study End Times Prophecy in connection with our subject, Looking for Jesus' Return. Stay with us. Welcome back to our program. This is Reconciling Grace, and we're looking at the subject of looking for Jesus' return. And before the break, we were looking at briefly why we study end times prophecy. Uh, one reason is it's, it's the truth of what's coming. Uh, it's a dance card. <laughs> you can take it to the bank. It's 100% accurate, shared with us in the Scripture. Secondly, uh, prophecy should be an encouragement to us for end times prophecy to see the wonderful things that God has for us. We're up to one call, I call a blessing. We study end times prophecy because it's a blessing, particularly with respect to the, the book of Revelation. And I wanna read for you Revelation 1 verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Well, if there were ever a book of the Bible that uh, was dealing almost exclusively with what's to come, it was uh, the message that was shared through John the Apostle, and he recorded for us in this uh, wonderful book of prophecy, Revelation, Uh, containing things that are unlike, basically unlike anything else you'd see in the Scripture. I would have to say, based on my experience, that Revelation is one of the most avoided books in Christendom in terms of of study. What do you think?
0: I just, you know, when when, uh, we studied the book of Revelation here in Danforth, it was one of those books that I had learned not many preachers had touched before me, you know, and it's such a powerful book of praise, of how praise will look at the end when we're all together. It's such a powerful book of all peoples and all tribes, and um, so for me, you know, when I preach and teach it, it's, it's yes, it's about Jesus coming again and bringing us all together, but look what we get to look forward to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Look what's you know, and and I think in that light, when I preach and teach it, I try not to get so entangled with pre, post, mid-trib, and more about where are we going?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How are we going? How powerful that will be? I love Revelation 21, 1 through 4, because, you know, when, when Jesus comes again, there's that word dance. God will be with you, and he will be with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Ah, Jesus is coming yep. isn't that what we're looking forward to
1: Maranatha come Lord Jesus I, I have been praying that a lot lately um, you know as as we deal with this whole um, stuff going on in the world uh, I would love to, to have Jesus come back right now and uh, you know to, to jump into the uh, question that you asked Mick about uh, preachers preaching that Don I believe that uh, you know what you said was great I know that um, one of the I don't want to call it drawbacks, one of the hesitations maybe, is that there are so many different ways that people want to interpret the book of Revelation. Um, I'm not going to get into all of the um, uh, academia words about pre-terrorist and, and all this stuff, but the idea is, you know, what part of Revelation applies to whom, and it's just really getting deep into the weeds of stuff. And honestly, if a preacher is going to preach 20 minutes, sometimes in order to give a person the background of what's going on, you have to give them a 20-minute, Uh, introduction and all of a sudden after that you've lost the congregation because
2: they're not used to listening for more than 20 minutes sure well I think Revelation is as such a book of of contrast what you talked about in Revelation at the end of Revelation is just so comforting I got to tell you as you were mentioning that Don uh, I'm on a medication which doesn't let me show a lot of emotion but the last time I read the scripture and tears came to my eyes. I was reading the exact passages that you're talking yes. about. Yes, Because that's what we I, have to look forward to.
0: And you know, Mick, when I was looking through your section about why study end times prophecy, in, in the margin I put we're living on the edge. Yes. You know, we're living on the edge of that prophecy. It's 100% accurate. We're living on the edge that we can encourage each other. You know that Jesus is coming, and He'll come down from the clouds. And those who have passed where will be coming down, or coming up be, to meet Jesus in the air. You know, that's living on the edge of the Christian faith. Absolutely. You know, and, and when we talked about when we talked about the end times and studying it, to me, you're looking at it in terms of what is promised for all those who are walking in Christ.
2: Absolutely. And we're on that
0: edge waiting.
2: Yes, we're right there. <laughs> and we keep we keep looking up. Um, the uh, The Revelation also describes some of the most horrific things that are going to happen to an unbelieving world, and then you finish out with the wonderful things awaiting Christians for eternity. It, it is just about as 180 as you can get in, in terms of... Uh, looking for the future. I don't know what kind of blessing comes to us. It talks about, and it struck me recently, it says, blessed are the one who reads, and it says aloud the words of this prophecy, like maybe there's a blessing when it's read in, an, in a church setting or with fellow believers. I'm not sure how that works, but I accept the fact, gratefully, that there is a blessing connected uh, with reading that, that book. Now, Pete, um, would you share with us uh, from the small book of Titus, chapter 2 and verse 13? Small book, but it's got a lot of powerful stuff it does. in it. It,
1: yeah, it does. Okay, <laughs> as you said, Titus 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, that's
2: what keeps me going. I know I'm in his hand. I'm told nobody's going to snatch me out of his hand and I'm in his care, and I am looking in this, this side of eternity. I'm here, I'm looking up, and I'm comforted by the fact that I'm his, and I'm looking constantly and giving thanks that he's going to appear. He's going to appear, and the Bible says this is our blessed hope, to look forward to the day when Jesus will return. Now, um, I love this next section here that I'm going to ask Don to read. It's John, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. These are the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
0: My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go... And prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am.
2: Now that's that's a wonderful promise. Yep. Uh, you know, you think of all the things that Christians disagree with. Do you think there's any disagreement across all of Christendom that Jesus is coming back? You isn't coming back. What do you think, Pete? And it's plain as can be. It is plain as can be in the scriptures. However, there are people
1: who profess Christ to I I sometimes wonder if they really believe it or if they think it's a metaphor or something. I can't help but believe it's actually the way that Jesus said. He says, I am going away. I am coming back. Why? So I can take you to be with me where I am. If that doesn't comfort somebody, I don't know what
2: will. Yeah, and how can you doubt it? Have you ever talked to people that maybe put uh, the words of Paul, for instance, on a a lower strata than the red words in the Bible Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. And I don't, again, as I started out this program, if it's in the Bible, it's the truth. Mm -hmm. It it is the truth, it's God breathed. These are the words recorded from our Savior himself. Jesus told us, and and I love this, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I mean, here are words that are given to us for comfort from the one who is the truth. Yep. Uh, I can't say personification of truth, but the deification of truth.
0: Right, and, and I think, Mick, when you look at the context of John 14, it's right before Jesus is being crucified. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, in essence, even though you know something is coming, I will be back. And you need to comfort yourself in the truth that I'm coming back.
2: And I think in in this world, Don, you don't have to watch television long or look at the internet very long to see that the whole world around us is wondering what the truth really is on any given subject. Mm -hmm. We don't know what to believe. Can I say one thing? Sure. The gospel is Mm -hmm. good news. It is not fake news. (laughs) 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 Well... And it's just wonderful that these words that uh, uh, Don shared with us here come from the one God who identifies himself as the truth. In fact, the Mm -hmm. only thing I can really take to the bank are the words of the Bible these days. Um, You know, it's the words of the Bible, you know, they don't have to be Snopes checked, and uh, they don't have to be checked with Wikipedia or whatever. Jesus, who identifies as the truth, tells us that he is coming back. I will come back and take you to be with me. And that's what we're looking for. Um, I wanted to share with you a brief scripture here because a lot of people don't believe that Christ is coming back simply because he hasn't to this point for the second time. 2 Peter chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 says this. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Well, that in and of itself is a prophecy. It says there will come a time when people knowing what God told us, are going to be scoffing and say, Where he, where's this coming he promised? And whenever I read this verse, I think of some lyrics from that great theologian, Jackson Brown. Okay, you're <laughs> going to have to give me those lyrics now. <laughs> Jackson Brown in one of his songs says, don't say it won't happen just because it hasn't happened yet. Okay. And I think that's the message to the, the scoffers out there because... Again, Jesus is the truth, and even though it hasn't happened yet, he promised us, and we can take that to the bank. Okay, Pete, I'd like for you to share with us uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses nine and 10. What has
1: been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something
2: new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. And you know, I included that just to show us that it's human nature to say, if, if it hasn't happened, maybe it won't. It, so nothing changed much from the time of Ecclesiastes where he said everything's just going on as usual. Mm-hmm. That's what the scoffers also alluded to in the um, Second Peter passage we just shared with you so it must be human nature but the bible says and predicted that there will be people like that
1: Mm -hmm. i mean what you said is perfectly reasonable and and what the bible said is even is even more understandable because it hasn't happened yet well you know what it's only going to happen once (laughs) so once it happens then it will have happened so you know it's one of those things where it's going to happen folks it really will it may not have happened in our lifetime yet it may not have happened in our parents or grandparents or great grandparents' lifetime, but it is gonna happen.
0: Hey Pete, one name, Noah.
1: Okay. I believe Think that.
0: about the scoffing. Think about the no, this isn't gonna happen. The flood's not gonna happen. Right. And yet it's the same phenomenon.
2: Yep. Yeah, in in fact the the end times were compared to being like the days of Noah and that's a great comparison don uh there are a lot of parallels there in, and uh we can get into some of those next week yep we have about 30 seconds left is all And. In- Why does it seem like I'm always
1: using the words and we've just scratched the surface? I think that's because God's Word is so full of so much stuff that we can keep on talking and talking. But what we want to do is edify people, and hopefully it's been um, edifying for you. And we're going to have part two of this next time, Lord willing. Mick, thank you for your insights. Don, thank you for joining us. This is Pete Vecchi. Lord willing, we will be back next time for another episode of Reconciling Grace. May God bless you.